Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Guys, two weeks ago, we left off with this very pertinent question, right? The question was, who is Jesus? And I think that's a real important question for us to be asking. Who is Jesus, right? Because if we're going to be called to, to follow him, we're going to call to be, put our faith and trust, we kind of need to know who he is. And here's what we've learned so far. We learned that a lot of people think that Jesus is either a liar. I mean, they go, well, who is Jesus? Well, is he a liar, right? Everything he claimed to be was a lie, a lot of people say. And Jesus was a man buried somewhere in Jerusalem. And I want you to think about this. If Jesus came on the scene and he was a liar, he was not necessarily, that people don't believe he was the Messiah, that he was he was not Lord, that he goes, ah, he was just a liar, and that he's buried somewhere, and all of this is a myth, and you guys are crazy, and you're nuts. Here's what I want you to see. Let's let's be honest, okay? Let's be honest. Number one, if Jesus was a liar, I don't think Mary, his mother, guys, would allow him to go all the way to the point of the cross and to die. I think she would have pulled the plug. She said, no, 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 stop. I think at the scourging, at the beating, she would have went to the Roman officials and said, look, I'll tell you who his daddy was. Leave him alone. She didn't do that, did she? And then I think if he was a liar, I mean, let's, let's just be realistic, guys. I think, I think, would you, would you carry out a charade so far to the point of death? I'm going to try to convince them, and I know I'm lying, but I'm going to convince them all the way to the point of death. I think not. I think you'd be like, okay, the gig's up, I'm out, you know, whatever it is. So we know that some people think he was a liar. Other people goes, well, no, 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 he wasn't a liar, he's just a lunatic. Jesus was just a, a lunatic is a mentally ill person who claimed to be the Messiah sent from God. He was a lunatic. Now think about this. Check this out. Of all now, now throughout history, in the Jewish men, do you realize that thirteen Jewish men actually came up and claimed to be the Meshach, the Messiah? Thirteen. I'm Jesus, I'm the Messiah. 13 Jewish men. But it gets even worse. Christian men. Christian men who claim to be the Messiah, 34 of them, 34 men throughout history stood up, and we see that in our lifetime. And they claim to be the promised Messiah, but at the end, none of them ever fit the prophetic claim the way Jesus has. They just stood up. So we know that he wasn't a liar. We know that he wasn't a lunatic. So obviously our third choice is Jesus is the Lord. You go, what does that mean? Guys, both fully God and fully man, he is the Messiah, the anointed one. That's who John is going to portray him as, as the Lord. Now, allow me for just a moment to remind you of the courtroom setting, okay? John, we'll call him the disciple whom Jesus loves. John, basically, he starts out this book with what we call a mic drop statement. Look at verse 1 with me. He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, how many of us begin a sentence or begin a letter like this? 
Normally we say greetings, how are you, salutations, whatever it is, to whom it may concern. Not John, he starts off with a mic drop statement. You go, well, what did he say? Imagine with me, John, there's the hush over the courtroom. John gets up to speak and here's what he says. He says, listen, I got to tell you all something. He says, Jesus was before time ever existed. (gasps) There's a hush on the crowd. He was in awesome fellowship with God the Father, and as a matter of fact, he was God, right? And boom, right? Drops the mic, walks away. Now, of course, for you and I, we're like, yes, way to go, John. And we're cheering him on, right? We're high-fiving each other. This is the mic drop statement that you and I know that is true, but... Of course, in the courtroom, that didn't sit well with all the people in the room. They're like, mm-mm, no way. That's crazy. What do you mean, Jesus? This, no, 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 no. Mary, Mary, Joseph, his son. What do you mean he's the Messiah? You're kidding me, right? <laughs> no. And it didn't sit right. So John, he's still up, right? He does even something more crazy. You go, what does he do? He says, I'd like to call my first witness. Who does he call? Right? He calls creation to testify. Look at verse 3. He says, all things were made through him. And without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shined in the darkness. Here's the problem. The darkness did not comprehend it. So John calls creation to testify. He tells them that all things were made through him. And he was involved in every aspect of creation. I call creation to testify. This is Jesus. Now, here's the problem. Here's the problem, guys. The problem with calling creation to testify is, much like in our day, a lot of people didn't believe in creation. So they're going, whoa, 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 whoa. You, you, you. Okay, so let me see if I can understand this. You're telling me that there is this God, this spirit in the sky, if you will, and he spoke and all of this came to being. That's what you're telling me. We'll go, yes, that's what we're telling you. Well, a lot of people don't buy that, do they? Even today, they don't buy it. And here's what blew my mind. I did some stats and I said, okay, well, let's, let's just see how many people today believe in creation, right? Intelligent design that God spoke, boom, he spoke the world and the universe into existence. Well, if you're taking note, check this out. In the United States, a Gallup poll revealed, guys, that 42% believe in a creationist view of human origins. You go, what does that mean? That means 58% of the people in the United States don't believe in creation. And that the intelligent design that God spoke, 58% go, nah, now, we, I don't know how, we must have evolved, I don't know what happened, but I don't believe that God spoke and he created all of this, 58% of that. Now you go, well, that's true, I mean, you know how the world is, right? They're just, they believe anything you tell them. Well, then I started to say, okay, well, what do, what do, what do people who go to church, what do, what do Christians believe? And I was astonished. You ready? Jot this down. Christians, people who call themselves Christians, people who follow Christ, 31%, 31% of people who attend church weekly don't believe in creation. Those who are attending church weekly, 31% go, no, don't believe that, that God created everything. 
Don't believe Jesus was involved. But it gets worse. Christians, 53% who attend church on a bi-monthly, you know, every other week, maybe every third week, 53% of them go, mm-mm, don't believe in that. Over half, these are Christians. These are supposed to be followers of Jesus. They're saying, no, no. The third aspect of this, 77% who rarely or never attend church but still call themselves Christians don't believe in creation. 77% of people who don't go to church but yet they'll tell you at their job, oh, I'm a Christian. You ask them, do you believe in creation? You know what they're saying? Not doing it, not doing it, not doing it. So John, he calls creation to testify, and people are still what? They're still skeptical. And here's what blows my mind. Here's what blows my mind. Listen, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. You you got that? You don't have to. But the Bible tells us not to forsake the fellowship of the saints, not to come in, not to be equipped, not to learn the word of God. He says, he says, listen, don't do that. It's not a prerequisite for you to be a Christian, but it's a good place for you to grow, for you to grow. Think about this. Um, this morning, and, and listen, this is in my notes, so it's pretty good. This morning, Brother Joe was out there, and he was putting some flowers in the pots out there and took some dirt out and put some dirt in. And, you know, those things are going to grow. Why? Because he did a couple of things. What did he do? He put some more dirt around them, and he put water in them. They already have sunshine. See, these are the elements that are going to allow these flowers to grow. It's the same thing with church, guys. Part of the word is the sunshine and the water and being together is kind of like the dirt that we all get to be in so that you can grow. If it works for flowers, it should work for us. And yet, here's my point. 77 of people, of people who say they're Christians go, no. You go, but Ben, 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 I got a question. Didn't John just say? Didn't John just say that Jesus was involved in creation? And we say, yes, he did. Here's the problem. Look at verse 5. It says, the light shined in the darkness, but guess what? The darkness was like, didn't comprehend it. It was like, never put it out. You see, the light shines in the darkness, but men still refuse to see the light. So what does John do? He goes, you guys don't want to believe creation. I get it. You're all skeptics. Cool. And so he turns and he says, let me call my next witness, Your Honor. I call John the Baptist. I call, this is, this is someone who knew Jesus. This is someone who could testify of everything that I'm about to say because he was with Jesus. So I call John the Baptist, none other than the cousin of Jesus. Now, understand, the courtroom goes crazy. You guys tracking with me? Why? Because this is John the Baptist. This guy is like the weirdo of the town. Why? This is the guy. You go, well, they're going, you're not calling John the, you're not calling that guy, are you? You're not calling John, you're not calling, oh my goodness, he is what? I, I just, you can't call him. This guy's crazy. I mean, I saw this dude eating bugs, man. I saw him eating grub. I mean, that's his diet. You know, I asked him to go out for a pizza the other day, and he said, no, I think I'll just have a handful of worms or grasshoppers. I mean, come on. 
You're not calling him. And I mean, then think about what he's wearing. I mean, the guy has no fashion sense at all. He's got this camel hair, you know what, romper or onesie or whatever you want to call it. He's just nuts. We're not going to call him here. And John says, no, 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 we're going to call him. We're going to call him because, because he knows Jesus. Look at verse 6 with me. He says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. And this man had a purpose, right? This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe that he was not the light, but he was bare, he was sent to bear witness of the light. Now, catch this, guys. Here's what I want you to see. I love the fact that John called John the Baptist to the stand. Why? Here's what I want you to see. Here's what I want you to see. John the Baptist lived a life in such a way that people were turning to Christ. You know why? There was not a hint of compromise in the life of John the Baptist. But he lived a very strict, loving, God-fearing life. Think about this. Like, let this dwell in you guys for a second, okay? Because when we think of John the Baptist, we know that Jesus called him one of the greatest prophets who ever lived, right? And we always think of prophets of going, let me show you, right? Lightning, thunder, splitting, whatever. John the Baptist, guys, check this out. He never performed any miracles. John never stood at the Jordan River and said, you know, recede, go dry, whatever you want to call it. He just baptized in it. He never performed any miracles. There was nothing spectacular about him. Man, here's what I want you to catch. Here's the nugget of truth I want you to take home. Put it in your heart, okay? He lived his life sold out for God so that everyone who knew John the Baptist were drawn to Jesus. Did you hear me? He lived his life in such a way that people were not drawn to him All he was is they were drawn to Christ because of him. The Bible tells us that he came to bear witness of the light and that all, and that through him that all might believe. And, and so Lord, as I started thinking about this and, and started thinking how, how there wasn't a hint of compromise in John's life and, and that everyone who knew him were drawn to Jesus, I had to ask myself this question. Do I live my life in such a way that people believe in Jesus? I think it's a good question for us to ask, don't you? Do I live my life in such a way that people are drawn to Christ? And you go, Pastor, why? Well, here's why. Here, here's the main point, guys. We don't want to send mixed messages to people. Right? One of the greatest mixed messages is what? Is hypocrisy. We want to live our lives in such a way that people go, wow. Where's that from? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. We don't want to send mixed messages, right? Mixed messages are just, are just tough. And, and, and one of the best way to illustrate it is this way. I found a story to illustrate that we don't want to send a mixed message. Listen, it goes like this. Near the Kingsport Press in Tennessee, a southbound bus makes a scheduled midday stop for 20 minutes so that the passengers can freshen up and get a bite to eat. The driver said to his passengers as he brought the bus to a stop, quote, 
Folks, we'll be stopping here for 20 minutes. The bus line makes a strict policy never to recommend an eating place by name. But if anybody wants me while we're here, I'll be eating a wonderful T-bone steak with french fries at Tony's first class, spotlessly clean diner across the street. Listen, indirect advertising is indeed important, and often, let's face it, it's more effective than even the direct pitch. And, and so, I think, is the indirect witness for Christ. The believer who reveals Christ by the way he lives, by the way he moves, by the way he walks, talks, eats, reads, and a thousand other details of life will probably do more than the fanatic who had a bullhorn and a sandwich board that reveals, prepare to meet thy God. You guys see? Well, you'll do and accomplish more because people are watching your lives. And sure, we could get up and we can preach and we can get in the corner and we can have sandwich boards and we can do all. But here's the thing. People are going to stop and they're going to go, okay, I want to see if what you say actually... Do you really believe what you do? You, do you really believe what you're what you're saying? Are you living that way? And they'll watch you, Pastor. I, I, that's kind of tough because people will expect me to be perfect. No, I don't think people will expect us to be perfect, but they want us to represent Christ in a real and honest way. When we, when we make a mistake and we ask for forgiveness, is it sincere? Or is it just to get past? Oh, forgive, forgive me. I'm sorry. Forgive me. Forgive me. <laughs> or is it really, I am so sorry, sweetie. Will you please forgive me? Do we listen to the conviction of the Holy Spirit when he begins to Speak to our hearts in the life. You realize, guys, you realize that we interact with people all day long and they're looking to see Christ in us. And that's exactly what John the Baptist did. He's just, he's just living his life and people are drawn to Christ. They're drawn to Christ. So, moving forward, the Apostle John turns for just a moment to exhort all those who are asking the same question. Well, who is this Jesus? Who is this Jesus? And so now, In our text today, he begins to give us some insight. Go with me to John chapter 1, verse 9. Look what it says. It says, that was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. What's he saying? Guys, he's saying Jesus was the true light. The true light. The Greek word for true is athenios, and it means truthful and true, right? And you get the opposite. I looked it up, and it's fake or false, you go, what's he saying? Well, it's really simple, guys. It says, Jesus is the true light. He gives light to every man coming into the world. Now, I want you to think about it this way, okay? I want you to think about it this way. Throughout the Old Testament, we know a couple of things about the Old Testament. We know that it points to the cross of Christ, amen? But God sent many, many messengers in the Old Testament to, what? To proclaim Christ's coming. Jesus is coming. Everybody get ready. Everybody get ready. He's going to come. He's going to be on a dime. We, we know all of that. When, when the Son of God saw that men did not acknowledge him by his works through creation and the prophets and the miracles, 
You know what he did? He goes, okay, I've got to do something different. He then came to him, to them in the flesh so that they can see with their physical eyes. You guys tracking with me? Do you, do you understand? So when he says, so, so when he says here that he gives light to every man coming into the world, it's not so much that when a baby is born, right? Check this out. When a baby's born, it's dark until he comes out. He follows the, he or she follows the light and then it's light, which is a great illustration, right? Cause that's what happens. But in the same way, spiritually speaking, he's going, Oh, Everything that you promised, I see now. Stay with me, stay with me. This is so important, okay? All the Old Testament saints are are sitting and going, there's the Messiah, there's the Meshach, there's the Savior of the world coming. Where is he? Where is he? Where is he? All of a sudden, in the Gospel of John, he says, here he is. And their faith never became sight. They died and they, now, it did after he what? After he died and he descended, he's like, it's me, Jesus, who wants to go to heaven. And they're like, we do. And they all just take off, right? This is going to get good. I'm telling you. It's a lot like our lives. You go, how so? Guys, there's coming a day and if the Lord Jesus doesn't come, we're all going to die. Okay, that's not a newsflash. You're going, yeah, I know. I've been sidestepping it for a while now. I've been trying to avoid it. I get it. Your faith in Jesus at that moment that you die will then become sight. You, you see, the, all the Old Testament said, my faith in Jesus is going to become sight, and it did for a moment. 33 years, right? New Testament, you and I, we're looking back going, Okay, we're trusting, we're trusting, and one day we're going to go, and then all of a sudden our faith is going to become sight because you'll see your Savior face to face. Everything you believe is going to be right in front of you. And I bet we're going to be able to run up and touch and hug Jesus and just cry and weep, and we're going to see all of our loved ones that have gone before us, and we're going to see this beautiful, and, and you've heard people, perfect peace is going to be in your heart. That's when your faith becomes sight. Now catch this. Jesus was the light of men, not John. Jesus. This is a very important point because many people thought that John was the guy. They were looking at John and going, he must be the Messiah. How? His powerful preaching and how massive his ministry. Wait a minute, Pastor. There's people in our day who have very powerful preaching and they're very, they have giant ministries. They're still not the Messiah. Jesus was. Church, listen, we have a tendency to Lift up even people, even pastors today. Wow, that was such a powerful message. I just want to, and we become followers, quote unquote, but we have to be careful because it's about Jesus, not about the pastor. And I've seen so many of my friends and and, and very, very gifted pastors fall because they, they read their own press clippings. And their, and their ministries were huge. Huge. And it, and, and, and again, we have to keep 
keep the focus Jesus because it gives us just a beautiful picture here. Why? John goes, I'm not the light. If, if John the Baptist were pastor of a church today, he probably would have a pretty big church. Powerful preaching, massive ministry. But now it's Jesus is the light. And I think that's important for us. You go, why? Because at Calvary Chapel, it's all about Jesus. Here's the thing, guys. We're going to die and be forgotten. You know why? Because it's all about Jesus. It's not about us. It's not about us. And that's okay. We're cool with that. Why? Because we didn't do anything. We're privileged to be able to be and do ministry. So Jesus was the light. He came in and he shined the light, but we have a problem. You go, what's the problem? Well, Paul writes down our problem in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. You go, well, what's the problem? Well, 2 Corinthians 4, verses 3 and 4, Paul writes, but even if our, go- even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose mind the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe. Lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. You go, what did he just say? He said that, that many people, the God of this age, are still blinded. Jesus comes in and he says, listen, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to me except my father. I am the light of the world. Amen? And the God of this age says, no, no, don't, don't see it. I don't see it. I don't see it. Guys, The Bible tells us that Jesus came to give us eternal life, and yet it says that the darkness was trying to put it out, didn't even couldn't comprehend it. Look at verse ten with me. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him, but as many as received him, he gave them the right to become children of God to those who believe in his. Name. Now check it out. John kind of summarizes what we've learned. You go, what that? That he came to the world and the world was made through him. He came to his very own creation. But here's what breaks my heart. Notice what it says. And the world didn't know him. And he came to his own people. He came as what? As a man. He came as a human being. And notice what it says. And his own didn't receive him. Now, this is amazing. It says, but those who have received him, you go, okay, so what does the word received mean? If you have a pencil handy, understand that it's a verb and it's an action word and it means to accept, receive, believe on him. That's important. Why? Because we make sure that it's not, it's not in the area of works where you have to do something, although it is an action word of actually receiving and believing. And that's why you'll get that, hey, how many of you want to, how many of you have received Jesus as your Lord and Savior? That's where we get it from, okay? So understand that it's an action word, and he says, and if you've done that, you have been given the right to become the children of God. And you go, well, pastor, how do I receive him? By believing in his name and all that it stands for. By putting your faith and trust in him, and let me just say this to you, it is complete surrender. You know what I'm talking about, guys? It's complete. A lot of people want to just, they want to surrender, but they don't want to surrender everything. Right? We sing a song, Josh, I surrender all. 
A lot of people go, I surrender half. I want to keep some for me. When you fully receive Christ, you surrender it all. Why? Because you know that he is better than any the thing that you could hold back. Anything you can hide in your pocket. He's so much better. He says, now notice, here's what I want you to get, guys. This is so important. He says, none of us are born children of God. It takes faith. And then we become born again children of God. I want you for just a second, just a second, think about Think about what people say. Think about how people say, I was born this way, whatever it might be. You know what I'm talking about? I was born a murderer. I was born, think about it, right? People will say that. I don't know. I was just born this way, Alice. You know what we say to them? Well, that's why you need to be born again. Because again, you need to be born again. And then he reiterates, look at verse 13, guys. He says, who was born, notice, not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. How did you become a child of God? He's going to break it down. He says, you became a child of God, but first of all, let me show you some negative. He says, you weren't born, he says, not of blood. You go, what does that mean? Guys, you, it wasn't a natural birth. You didn't come out of your mama going, I'm a Christian. And he says, nay, 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 nay. He says it was not a natural birth. It takes faith. Amen? He says, it's nor the will of the flesh. Everybody see that? Nor the will of the flesh. What does that mean? You can't clean your life up and then expect to be a child of God. How many people know that? Well, let me, listen, I'm going to come to church. I just need to clean myself up. I just need to get my mind straight. Just get my life straight. Right? And a lot of people still think that. A lot of people think, You'll ask him, are you a Christian? And they'll say, yeah, yeah, I mess up sometimes. They're still trying to clean themselves up. And here's what John says. John says, listen, you're not a child of God. How? By the will of the flesh. And then he says this, nor by the will of men. You go, what does that mean, Ben? No one can force you to become a believer. No one can force you. The will of man can't go, listen, 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 you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna be a Christian. You can bring your children to church, but you can't force them to be a believer. The only thing you can do is, much like we learned about down the Baptist, you can live a life so that your kids go, I, I want to be a believer. I want some, mom, dad, you have something that I don't. I, I want to believe, I want, I want to be a believer. And we need to be careful too about this, church. Listen nor can anyone talk you into it. Sometimes we're really smooth and we, and we say some good stuff and we can talk people into salvation. The problem is, is that if I can talk you into it, someone can talk you out of it. So how do you become a Christian? How do you become a child of God? You need to receive him. You need to put your faith and trust in him. And then John reiterates, look at verse 14. He says, and the word, remember, became flesh and dwelt among us, guys. He came here and we beheld his glory as the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. He says, now remember, 
He was the beginning. I'm just telling you, he became flesh. He became one of us. Look at verse 15. And John bore witness of him. Now he's going back to who? John the Baptist, okay, still calls him on the stand. Now JB bore witness of him and cried out saying, this is he of whom I said, he comes after me and is preferred before me for he was before me and the fullness we have all received, grace and grace for the law was given through Moses but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten son who is in the bosom of the father has declared him. Declared him. Now, here's kind of, here's kind of this closing, a little bit of closing statement, right? The courtroom is a hush. People are listening to him. And he says, now listen, we know that he's the flesh. And he goes, oh, okay, now, okay. And he says, now, John, what do you have to say? He says, this is he of whom I said, this is the one. And he goes into it. Now, now, let me, let me take you out of this realm for just a second and let's, let's look at some application real quick. You ready? Suppose Suppose you had an opportunity to share Christ with a friend or a family member. Okay, you guys with me? They ask you. And suppose that person says, um, thank you, I'm, I'm relatively happy just as I am. You've heard this. And I really enjoy not having anything, have anything to do like go to church on Sunday mornings. And they look at you with all sincerity and say, why should I believe in Jesus? What would you say? Now, now think about this again, right? You have an opportunity to witness. You're sharing Christ. And they say, listen, as a matter of fact, I'm doing pretty good. And, you know, and, and, and Sunday mornings are my Sunday, and I don't, I just sleep in, and I'm good. So tell me, why, why do you think I should, I should believe in Jesus? And what would you say? Now, as you ponder that, check this out. I've pointed out in our study so far, the issue becomes who is Jesus. That's what they're saying. And if he who he claimed to be and who John presents him to be in the gospel, then it would be extremely foolish not to believe in him as your Savior and Lord. In our text, John builds on this wonderful truth in verse 14 to give four reasons to believe in Jesus. Now, here's what we're going to do with the remainder of our time, guys, and I'm going to close with this, okay? I'm going to close with these. I want to give you four reasons that you should believe in Jesus, and if somebody says, this is, why should I believe in Jesus, you can tie these in beautifully, okay? Four reasons. Number one, you should believe in Jesus because as an eternal God, He is greater than all the prophets. Did you guys notice that? You go, what's that? Look at verse 15 again. This is exactly what he says. He says, John bore witness of him and cried out saying, this is, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me is preferred before me. Why? For he was before me. Now that blows our mind. Why? Because we know that John was how? He was six months older. And he says, now here's a guy who was, who came after me, is born late. He's my younger cousin. But yet, he is preferred. He's far greater than me because why? Because he was before me. The first reason we really need to believe in Jesus because he was greater than every other prophet that ever came. 
You go, what's the second one, Pastor? Church, you should believe in Jesus because he provides an abundant grace for all who believe in him. Look at verse 16. And of Christ's fullness, we have all received grace for grace. Guys, we believe in Jesus because we don't want justice. We need mercy. We need grace. See, nobody, nobody has to stand up here and tell you what a, what a filthy, rotten, dirty, stinking sinner you are. We all know we are. We know, we know we fall short of God's standard every day of our lives. And so instead of falling on, well, I want justice and I want, we're going, God, I need your grace. And let me say this to you, church. The closer you walk with Jesus, and, and, and tell, me if, tell me if I'm true, the closer you walk with Jesus, the more you realize how sinful you are. And you're just like, wow. I had a text yesterday. Text a, a pastor friend of mine and and he texted me back and he said, how are you doing? And I said, you know what? I'm growing. I'm growing. It's amazing. And God is showing me and he's growing me. And that's a great place to be, you know? And you go, well, why would you say that? Well, guys, a lot of times we feel like, well, I've been walking with Jesus for 30 years. Which I have. I'm still growing, like like I'm like it's new, like God is continually showing me, and I need His grace. Number three, guys, you should believe in Jesus because He's greater than Moses and the whole law. Look at verse seventeen. For the law was given through Moses, yes, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. That's really simple, is it not? You can put your faith and trust in the law and try to do it. And it'll get you nowhere. Or you can believe in Jesus because he's far greater than that. Where do you want to stand before God when you die? Do you want to stand with your, with your, um, your bucket full of works? Or do you want to stand with nothing in your hand and say, I fall on your grace, Lord. Brother Joe, by what reason do you have to come into heaven? I have no reason, but Jesus is my Lord. Amen. That's what we want to hear. What did you do with my son Jesus? He's my Lord and my Savior. That's all you need to say. Number four, you should believe in Jesus because he's God's ultimate revelation to us. The Bible says in verse 18, No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, He has declared Him. Now to answer your question, who is Jesus, guys? It's really simple. This is Him. He is God in the flesh who came to this earth to save us. Save us from what? To save us from ourselves, first of all. If you were to do a quick mind check, how many things have been good that man has made evil? 
we need to be saved from ourselves because man is corrupt. And we also need to be saved from our sins. So here's my question to y'all. Do you believe in Jesus? Oh, no, no, I don't mean believe that there's a God and, hey, I saw the sunrise and, of course, I don't know where this oxygen thing comes from. So I think there is a God, but do you, have you put your faith and trust in him? Have you had a true encounter with him? Has he turned your heart, we'll call it a heart of stone, has he made it in a, made it a heart of flesh? That's what John's getting at. Have you had an encounter? And I know there are some people they're saying, Pastor, I don't. I haven't. And of course, obviously, we have the good news, don't we? Today, you can say yes to Jesus. And it's all about belief. And all you have to do is receive him. Father, we thank you for your word this morning and the truth in your word. We thank you that we simply see Jesus. Lord, as we, as we come to worship you in the final moments of our service, God, open up our hearts and say, yes, we, we choose to have an encounter with you. We don't just want to attend church. We don't want to go through the motions. We want to learn and we want to grow and we want to impact our world. Like John the Baptist did, like the Apostle John like all the saints who have gone before us, this is what we want to do. So move in our lives, Lord. Move in our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.